Hey, quick note before we get started. Dungeon Babies is officially on all social media platforms, which means you can search for us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you lurk, and follow us for updates on what's happening with the show. And we hope that you will, because we'll be rolling out more content on our Twitch and YouTube channels before the end of the year, and we'll be publishing weekly on our new Patreon account. That's right. You can go to patreon.com slash Dungeon Babies and support our efforts to turn every single episode of Dungeon Babies into actual playable content. In fact, right now, there is a two-page PDF of today's adventure available to download for free. It's very, very special. I'm very, very proud of it. It's not only written and illustrated by myself and Josh, but it's actually based on the adventure that our friend Shelly came up with on this episode. And we liked it so much and we had such a good time with Shelly that we asked her to be a co-host. She is going to be joining the show very soon as a full-time host and she'll be involved in the creation every single playable adventure that we publish on our Patreon channel from here on out. So thank you so much for supporting Dungeon Babies and enjoy the show. Have you guys ever seen Seven Days in Hell? Andy Samberg and Kit Harrington are tennis players at Wimbledon and they get stuck in a match that goes seven days. Not like straight, like they have to call it. And then like, it's just like this continuous match. I assumed that you meant they just played for seven (laughs) days straight without dying. Kit Harrington's character in it is like a tennis prodigy who his parents didn't let him go to school. They just sent him to like tennis school and shit. He's just the dumbest, best <laughs> tennis player in the world. <laughs> He's like on a British talk show and they're like, so tell us a little bit about your strategy going into Wimbledon. Well, I think one of us will begin with serving to the other, in which case you want to make it over the net. And if they do that, then, well... Assuming they're the ones that serve to me, then I'll try and volley it back. And uh, if I do that, um, that's good. And if I don't manage to do that, that's that's actually bad. And then we have to continue until someone either misses the ball or hits it out. And if it's me that hits it out, I don't like that very much. But if it's them that hits it out, I rather quite like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's like a whole interview. <laughs> they also teach Arrington's character one smart word for interviews. So he says indubitably. And they'll always be like, isn't that just the basic rules of tennis? And go, yeah, indubitably. <laughs> it's the whole movie. I mean, that's, that's all it is. That's basically what I do for this podcast. Right. <laughs> it's like I have a table for big words. And anytime you ask me a question, I just roll a D20. And then I can just use the statements that are prepared for me. So what's in there? Uh, shit, shit, shit. Bioluminescence. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, honestly, if I could have like a D20 for everything that I'm supposed to do in my life, like decision, hard decisions, and just like, look, I'm not in control. The Oracle gave me all of these dice right. and said, this is how I'm supposed to live. And this one just says, make it work. So, God damn it. That's about how you live your life anyway. <laughs> make it work. This is a far out game. Swords, poison, spells, battles, maiming, killing. Hey, it's all imagination. Is it? Welcome to Dungeon Babies, a show that explores the dangers of role-playing in which mere mortals 
attempt to prep an adventure in one hour or less. I am your charming but troubled criminal youth on the run after a job gone wrong, Mathar de Leon. And I'm your wise but aloof spirit guide, taking you through forests and seas of unknown treachery, Joshua Ramsey. I've been looking for a spirit guide, actually. <laughs> what kind of tours do you offer? Mostly celebrity houses. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm your spirit guide of celebrity <laughs> lifestyles. <laughs> That's yeah. good. And so on the left, uh... you'll see Bill Murray's house. And also, I say you take that leap and you take that chance. All right. Continue. It's advice and <laughs> lifestyles of the rich and famous. Yes. I was thinking like it was celebrity uh, homes, like in a fantasy setting. So it's like on the left, you'll see uh, Jorgen the third, Jarl of uh, <laughs> this region. What do we do on this show again? I don't really know I've lost the plot, but I think we're supposed to bullshit for a little bit Mm -hmm. until uh, our guest shows up, and then we're going to prep a session. So, Josh, how's your table? How are things going? Oh, pretty good. You're not really playing D&D unless there's scheduling conflicts and uh, (laughs) last-minute shit that just derails a session. But no, I think uh... you're like in an actual like fantasy setting literally right now you're in some sort of sci-fi role-playing game that's happening like statewide right there's like a whole right like the west coast is currently engaged it's, in it's like yeah it's LARPing. an apocalypse based um that's uh, an right. apocalypse based rpg called california and uh oh, so far i've been 2020 no well 2020 is the overall game but it's like a new expansion it, it just takes it and cranks it up to 10 you know? so, really it adds the fire mechanic so. it's called heat wave <laughs> underprepared <Right. laughs> um so yeah 2020 the rpg expansion california ash and bone um so there it is yeah <laughs> literally um well my background is hermit so i would just stay inside <laughs> yeah i took the hermit background uh years ago and it's coming really handy like, right? uh, who knew year. that mm-hmm. who knew that these skills the ones i've been honing my entire life <laughs> I, unfortunately i didn't take the prepper feat so i'm like not totally equipped but um i'm good at like not seeing other people i adjusted to this really quickly yeah, there's a there's a bonus feature for my class where you can just automatically have like all your closest friends living with you. So like it makes it easier. But <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Um, they call that the uh, the communal. Uh, yes. Feat. Yeah, right. it's what most cult leaders take. Um, but anyways. <laughs> so, you know, um, spirit guide uh, by day, cult leader in training by night. It's yeah. Yeah, the cult of it's like a four uh, year program. I'll get there eventually. <laughs> yeah, um, we've converted about half our friends to this game so far. Um, so you know, we're basically cult leaders at this point. Hey, other half, we're coming for you. I told you I ran the heist. Did I tell you that yet? Week, you did so. run the heist. How did it go? What happened? You see, was <laughs> so they began with like it was this massive army of like all these different like it was like an army an army of orcs, goblins. Uh, drow kobolds a bunch of different like factions and like so they started off by like causing a war within this army like making all the factions fight against each other so that they could like sneak through to this temple they had to get to once in the building they had this whole elaborate plan where they knew that like the first area of this temple was like where the generals of all these different armies stayed and there was like a mess hall in the middle but there was already some like tension between the orcs and the drow 
we did the thing with like a crone with scrying orbs throughout it, like security cameras. In order to get to the crone, they had to cause a commotion so the guards would leave the door in front of there. So half the party went into the kitchens and they did their best to make something that would resemble the look of a orc meat stew and then had it delivered to one of the orcs compliments of and then they pointed at one of the drow generals. So this massive fight broke out and then they managed to gain the information that the crone that is running the scrying thing, they can't kill her because she's like inherently tied to the big bad evil guy who they're trying to not alert to their presence. So he'll like feel it. So they decided to put her to sleep and they found out that it was her birthday. So um, they baked her a birthday cake this with these like, lot. yeah, they baked now her. Now I have to connect threads. Okay. Exactly. I'm, I'm literally like. Exactly. Yeah. No, it, it was a heist heist. Um, oh my they, God baked her a birthday cake with powdered up mushrooms that caused people to sleep that had been used on them like sessions ago by these bullywugs. But like in order to do it, the crone like wanted the guy that went in there to give her the cake to like have cake with him. So like whenever the rest of the party came in, the two of them were just like asleep with forks in each other's mouths. It was really good. I've never had a cooking session in the middle of a heist session. With I was the just threat going of death. to clarify that. Are you saying at an establishment where orcs hang out, there's an item on the menu called orc meat stew. No, there is a delicacy in drow culture that I made up. Um, oh, called or the orc rumor meat stew. the rumor is that the orcs are, you know have basically they did a lot of lot of like reconnaissance in the camp and like listened in to like what they were saying about each other like the different factions and there's like you know the rumor of like oh drowsy orcs but it's not even true you know but they just like went on that. And, then, and that was enough to start the conflict. I get you. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I was like, wow, that is a fucking like harsh environment. Like to like that was my favorite bar. Yeah, they like serve orc meat, but like <laughs> it's kind of weird, but you know, damn, their drafts are fucking fresh. So Yeah. <laughs> so, it's like, like it's like if I go to an Italian restaurant, I'm like, oh, that's what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, my shit. god. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'll have a little grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, I wasn't ready for that one. Uh, okay, so uh, I can't talk too much about my my last session because I think this is as good a time as any to introduce our guest, Shelly. Shelly, kill them all, Quay. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Kill them all. Kill them all, Quay. Yeah. That's your new nickname. That's me. Good old kill them all, Quay. Hi. Welcome, Shelly. Welcome to Dungeon Babies. It's me, Shelly, your chain-smoking, coffee-addicted time wizard. And you can find me, if you need me, at your local library. If I were going to go to this library, like, what kind of books does a chain-smoking time wizard librarian hang on to? Or are you um, not the librarian? You just spend your I time just hang at the library. Out at the library, yeah. Uh, I, like I picking up read... chicks or... No, I like Where to, you know, you read go? romance novels and some, like, self-help books. I like to put the romance novel inside of the self-help book so it looks like I'm really becoming a better person, but... Right. How to how to self-help your romance for dummies. Exactly. <laughs> now, there's like three classes of romance novel that I'm aware of. You've got your classical literature, like your Jane Austen, things like that, that are just very large and sort of scope and theme. Then you have your young adult romance novel that's very focused on emotions in the here and now. I guess it's like the modern mm -hmm. version Coming of that. Coming of age romance. Yeah. And then you've got your trashy romance novels. So like, what do you, what do you go to? I, I really like the trashy stuff. Uh, it's, it's kind of like romance meets erotica. Yeah. <laughs> I think there should be a, a blurred line. Paranormal romance is one of my, one of my go-tos. Yeah. Ghost porn, dude. Real awkward. Yeah. Real fun. <laughs> 
I feel like if if there's not a point where you question like what can they sell this in a bookstore, <laughs> you're not yeah, really I mean, reading a romance novel. So exactly. Uh, as, as far as I know, Shelley, you've never prepped a session that uh, didn't start from like a module, right? Didn't start Correct. with like kind of like a pre pre existing campaign setting. Or, or a story. So we're going to have you roll some tables. We're going to give you some prompts and then help you on your way to prepping a full session. What's going on at your table currently that you can say since <laughs> you don't want to spoil anything? We are running Frozen Sick. It's a module inside of Matt Mercer's source book, Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, where our players have to find a cure for a uh, a very old, like ancient disease that was released by an adventurer. And they're doing a good job so far. I think they're they're doing better than we are as the uh, dungeon masters. It's a super fun uh, little adventure. It's like uh, levels one through three. Um, what's been like your experience so far? Because you're doing something that I've never done. I don't know if Josh has really done it either. Josh and I collab on some stuff, but mm-hmm. we don't co-DM. Josh pretty much puts together like the story and then I like support in other ways. I played some NPCs and things like that, but you're straight up co-DMing with your partner. It's fun and challenging. He's very creative and just like by the seat of his pants, improv, like he's on it. And I am very rules oriented by the book, like structured. Like I have a, a binder with tabs. I have our maps. I have all the NPCs, stat sheets. And he's like, here's a whole new person. We didn't prep. I'm just going to create this scenario. And I it throws me every time. I think the more we DM'd together, the more I would just kind of start rolling with it. Because at first, he would throw me off and I'd be like, what the hell's going on? And I'd be scrambling and our players could really see the discord between us. Uh, so I just started being like, yes, okay, let's, yeah. And then this, uh, that yes anding took me a long time to get used to, but it's slowly coming together. That yes and thing is, it's something that every DM has to learn how to do at some point or another, because if it's not your co-DM, it's going to be your players. Little shits of players, you know, just <laughs> fucking with you. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. There's things that players do session to session that just no one has done yet. And, and it's always going to be kind of a complete guessing game until you just kind of get into a rhythm and you, and you know your players well enough, you know yourself well enough. But that's not going to stop a time wizard at the library from pulling down another tome. <laughs> one of these days, like I, I have a feeling like you're going to reach this point when you're like, you're good at the yes ending and the improv and still pulling books out of nowhere. Like, well, <laughs> as a matter of fact, I have a whole chapter here on that particular God. <laughs> I got to a point where like my prep is so minimal just because I, I can't be hurting anymore you know like the amount of times i've written so much i can't be hurt i can't do this again. honestly like how david and i prep is we sit and read the module talk about scenarios that could happen usually they don't i don't know if it's the story and how easy it is to keep the rails going but we haven't been too far off track and needed to overly prep at all where David has really picked up a lot of the, the slack is just the NPCs. He's really good at NPCs. Other than that, like it's pretty by the story so far, and it's been easy. So that like brings up a good question to segue into prepping something. Uh, what are those things that you're most like nervous about in like running your own session? Having an intriguing story that the players want to play along inside of, of course. I mean, that's probably like the biggest thing. Huge. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh yeah, it has to be simple enough to follow and yet like intriguing and and fun 
And that's really overwhelming to, to just do that from original content and not have like a story to, to guide me. I've never been big on writing. I've never been very, I don't want to say creative, but like I've never, my imagination hasn't created this world, these worlds to play inside of, or like even what would happen if somebody made a decision, you know? So it's hard to, for me at least, just create the world. And then in kind of almost the same box is to create the NPCs inside the world with their own voices. The most beautiful thing about this game is the mechanics actually fuel the creativity. Going through this stuff with Josh week after week after week has made my prep so much easier because it's like, cool, I just got some checklists, right? And I can get super creative inside those things if I need to, or I can just let the players decide, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Josh, you mentioned it in a previous episode. Oh, I wasn't thinking that that guy had any relevance to the story, but that guy kind of seems like one of those cult leaders. And Josh in the back of his mind is like, all right, that guy's a cult leader now. And all of that stuff is really hard to plan out, but just in the moment when you can roll with it, the, the mechanics of the game help create that sandbox. Yeah, I felt that the more sessions we played, the more I would start to feel the energy of David, like describing cool things. And I'm like, yeah. And then I think it, it really came to me in combat where I would want to describe like how a monster would move or like what their attack would look like. Um, so just being able to, to put some flourish on combat, that's really easy because you know, they're going to hit or attack or cast a spell. So then just to describe like what that would look like was like my introduction into being more fantastical and like descriptive and playing the game. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't have like a specific idea for what you want to prep today. You're down to just let fate decide. Yes. Ooh, it's exciting. Why don't you grab some dice? I'd say... We're going to keep the theme relatively simple. So grab a D6 and roll it and give me the result. One. A one. Okay, perfect. Now let's pair that with a goal that your players have in mind. And so grab a D10. Three. All right. So based on the tables that I have in front of me and the rolls that you gave me, and this is random. You can re-roll this if you want. We, Josh and I have some rules that we give each other when we're like rolling these dice, but I'm not going to enforce those here because we want to make sure that like whatever it is, you're stoked about it. So your theme is action adventure. So that fits perfectly inside of a fantasy setting. That's not going to be difficult at all. Uh, action adventure. The goal is exploration. That is the main goal of your party, right? That is like their focus. So whatever your story hook is, kind of needs to like lead them. Their mission might be exploratory or something like that. So we'll, we'll figure that out together. So how do you feel about doing an action adventure? Do you want to like roll a backup and like, you know, pick the better of the two? Like roll it with advantage? I actually like the idea of an action adventure. It'll keep the, like, it'll keep a good pace. Like, oh yeah, no. We got to keep moving. Okay, beautiful. So that's what you're prepping today. We got an action adventure with a goal of exploration. And then Josh is going to help you figure out where that is taking place. All right. So I need you to roll a D8 for me. Three. All right. So the setting of this exploration, and this doesn't have to be the broad overall setting. It can be kind of the place that they eventually arrive at through their exploration. Um, would be an impregnable fortress atop a rocky and treacherous peak. Oh, okay. And then I need you to roll a d6 for me. And that's going to finish this description. Five. A five. It is an impregnable fortress atop a rocky and treacherous peak, known for being the last place travelers are often seen. It's so good. It's so chilling. I love it. Yeah. 
<laughs> and it's not a horror. No, it's an action adventure. It could be like this is some Indiana Jones shit. Yeah, yeah. This is some some uh, simple doom shit going on right here for sure. What are you thinking, Shelly? How are you feeling? What comes to mind? I feel like there's been a lot of Indiana Jones in my 2020. (laughs) (laughs) But I like this. I think there's a lot to work with. Yeah. And this is great because you can you can play it. You can probably run this with uh, a smaller party and make it like extra dangerous for them. And if you have a large party, then you can choose like really big things that you want to throw at them or give them like a real gauntlet, like room after room after room where they're like constantly maybe something's chasing them so they don't have time to rest but like there's you know they they have to keep moving and try to like you know use all their health potions to stay alive i think that setting is perfect for something like that but you can't get them there without a good story hook so uh we're gonna roll some dice and see what kinds and usually more than one story hook is good so we might roll this a few times and then these are prompts that are going to help us come up with that hook that's going to get your players into the adventure so we want this to be able to work for the party that you currently host um, or a future one. Like if you want to run a one shot where it's like just a bunch of friends want to play and you're like, cool, I got the perfect adventure. In that case, you really don't need like a strong story hook because basically they sit down at the table, they're in a tavern, and then you give them the thing that like gets them into it. But still, that's going to help you establish a little bit of, um, and our listeners too, if they want to run it and drop it in, that's going to give them a little something to get those people just, like I said, engaged, like invested enough in the story that they're going to see it all the way through. Today's episode is brought to you by Tariki and Law. If you're seeking legal counsel or you're in a situation that you're not sure how to handle, Tariki and Law might be the answer. They offer a 30-minute consultation to assess your situation because not every attorney is the right professional for the job. The great thing about Tarigian Law is that you don't get any doublespeak, you don't get any confusing language, there's no upfront commitment. It's just 30 minutes with someone who wants to understand what you're going through and help you figure out how to get to the next step. So stop sitting with the uncertainty and get the advice you need today. It's easy to get started. Just visit tarigianlaw.com. That's T-O-R-I-G-I-A-N-L-A-W.com. You're going to answer a few questions and someone will follow up to schedule your consultation so that you can get the clarity you need to decide how you should proceed. Because no matter the circumstances, we all deserve peace of mind. So once again, that's T-O-R-I-G-I-A-N-L-A-W.com. Tarigian Law. The advice you need minus the bullshit. How many D6s do you have on hand currently? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, you have three. Go ahead and roll all three of them and give me the the results in the order you give me is like the, you can roll them one at a time or you can roll them all three and just give me the numbers and I'll pick them from these tables I have. One, six, two. Okay, one, six, and a two. Okay, so the three things on this table, you can combine them in whatever way you want, or independently. A supernatural plague, missing memories, and don't shoot the messenger. Those are the prompts. Okay, so supernatural plague, missing memories, don't shoot the messenger. Yeah, so we can combine these into one story hook or we can like extrapolate from them maybe a couple different ways to get your players into it. But uh, based on those three things, knowing that there's a stony fortress, you said it was a remote 
kind of like a remote stony fortress, right, On Josh? top of a rocky and treacherous peak. Yes, yeah. it is. So very that seems like it'd be pretty remote. Very mysterious. Yeah, and then um, your players are probably meeting somewhere. Uh, since it's an action-adventure, let's assume that all of your players are, you know... I was thinking meeting in, like, the supply store, all trying to purchase the last really important item that they would need to go on this adventure. <sighs> I love that. Okay, so they're in the region. They are getting ready to go on this adventure. How does one of these or all three of these prompts fit into the hook that's going to pull them in? Hmm. Which one stood out to you the most when I read them off? Probably don't shoot the messenger. Okay, so don't shoot the messenger. They're in this store. It's uh, an outfitter right? Like a, a travel adventure outfitters. And they're all looking for equipment that they need. When they came to this region, they needed to resupply. Maybe they're just coming off the heels of another big uh, mission. And what does this messenger show up at this store looking for someone to like do something at this rocky fortress or they've lost someone up on the hill? Yeah, maybe like that, um, that like, desperate person coming to find anybody that could help after something dramatic happened. Like they found out somebody's missing or like there was maybe some like person at the bottom of the rocky cliff face saw like flashes of lights and it seemed like very dangerous, something or mysterious happening at this fortress. So they came running into town alerting people one thing that may because that's all like right in there with what it, what i was thinking one thing that may kind of help guide that that piece of the who the messenger is and why they're there is uh we know that adventurers go missing here it's often the last place they're seen so i wrote up a table of what happened to the missing adventurers oh yeah um so we can kind of work backwards knowing what the reveal might be once they get there go ahead and roll a d4 for me Four. A four. A four. They are still there, adopted into a hierarchical and dystopian death cult. Oh. So perhaps in that case, missing it is an memories. escaped an escaped adventurer of this uh this vicious death cult. Death cult. Um, what were you gonna say, Shelly? You said in that case what? The missing memories uh story hook would probably play in really well. To the cult. I wonder. Okay, so like thinking about the fact that um, these missing persons are all still there, do you think that the missing memories is about like them, like their missing memories? Or do you think these missing memories like play into the story hook and that the person hiring them can't remember what like goes on up there? I would think like like the longer they stay in the cult, like the fuzzier their backgrounds get. And so if maybe the messenger were to escape in a timely fashion, they could kind of piece together like what they were so confused and scared about. That's but, fantastic. I love that. Like maybe depending on a table, the person who gets away might have, you know, less knowledge or more knowledge. So what is the crux of it? So so thinking of myself as a player, somebody shows up and is like you know, troll in the dungeon, that kind of thing. It's just like, you know, screaming about something terrible that's happened. And then when questioned, it's like, 
who are you? I don't know exactly. I just know that I was I was in a room full of people and we were worshiping something and okay, but how did you get there? I don't know, but there's a beast in the tower. You know, it's just this yeah. very there's like bits and pieces of the story that they're able to feed the adventures just enough that they're like, and well shit, we have to look into this. There's there's also the question of are you guys like in a tavern and this dude just busts in because he escaped or are or is the adventuring party already in like on their way to check out this mysterious tower that so many people have been sent to and they find him you know in the mountains. Lost. I think she said they were like fueling up at like a, okay. a trading outpost. Fueling like up they at were a trading all outpost. There to get like new gear and equipment because okay. they're like on their way to like that. Maybe that's how they like cross paths. Yeah. The meeting nice. in the tavern thing is so common. Exactly. So I was just trying to yeah. think of like one other thing that wasn't that. However, it is common because it works. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it true, does of work really well. But <laughs> I really like your spin on it. So it's like instead of a meeting in a tavern, they're meeting in a place where they're like, if this is a one shot, then you can tell your players in advance, like, hey, your characters need to be like worried, you know, adventurers. Like you've done all of this before and you know exactly what you need. And so being in this place at the time that someone stumbles in with this amazing story that they can barely remember is totally enough to pique their curiosity because this is like their bread and butter. Yeah. Yeah. I like also that they're it's like a trading outpost. Oh, sorry. I just have this image of like they don't all meet at the tavern. They all meet like at the like the Bass Pro Shop on the way to the lake. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Listen, do you guys have those really bright glowworms? Because these ones are kind of dull. Right. <laughs> I can't catch vampires with dull glowworms, man. I, I mean, I'm just saying, I love it. I I love the idea of. Wouldn't you like catch vampires with leeches? Yeah, I guess Fair so. enough. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> See, now you're thinking like a DM. You know, wow. she's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Who told you I love leeches? I do, <laughs> but still it's racist. <laughs> the the trolley brand. So That's like my vampire voice. Leeches. That's, you know, it's, it's Listen, unique. I like gummy leeches just as much <laughs> as the next person, okay? It's not always about the blood. <laughs> All right. So what's next? <laughs> I think we need some NPCs. We okay. Let's let's stay up on this re- this um, there, adventure. We the leader we have of a, the Death Cult definitely needs to be a vampire at this point. Why not, dude? And uh, <laughs> you know, I thought about putting vampire in my uh, table, and then I specifically didn't because I was like reading them, and I'm like, any one of these could be could a be. vampire. I would just want to leave that for for her to Do decide. Do you think but... that this? What if this? Uh, unwitting cult member wasn't sent what didn't escape and wasn't sent to lay or or, or didn't show up here to alert people but was sent as a thrall of maybe one of these vampires to get more leeches more more blood he's on a snack run dude he's like quarter store snack run and then on his way there just the the memory started slipping back in remembering who they were and they're like oh shit i gotta tell someone but what do i tell them i barely remember it and does just enough of their wits to be able to like try to snag some adventurers to help rescue all these vampire thralls up in the, the the castle yes I love that so much. And maybe there's that option. And then there's also he has escaped, but he escaped after being turned, but hasn't fully turned yet. Like the 
ticking time bomb of a mysterious person who's about to become a blood-sucking vampire. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of ways you can go with this. But I like the thrall on a snack run. I really like that. <laughs> I have my, what do in you my think, notes, Shelley? This is going to be your session. It says, death cult snack run. Is what my notes okay, say. Okay, so there's an is important the part of the adventure. There's an important part of this <laughs> yes. podcast where we name the adventure, and I think we have it. And I cannot wait to try and run Death Cult Snack Run. <laughs> oh my god! Just imagine telling somebody like, "Hey, so I prepped this adventure. It's called Death Cult Snack Run," and they're like, "Hang on, I need many questions. <laughs> Hold on, like, <laughs> I'm gonna need you to explain a lot." This 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 one needs to be one we write up and just so we can have available on our Patreon, <laughs> Death yeah. Cult Snack Run. <laughs> Don't think I'm not going to make gummy leeches. <laughs> Death Cult Snack Run by <laughs> Shelly Kilimalkway. <laughs> you got a lot more out of this uh, this uh, prep session than you bargained for. You have a nickname. You've got <laughs> a, a name of a very fun sounding uh, one yeah. shot. Um all right, what do you want to do next, Shelly? You want to you want to come up with some NPCs? You have the the setting and you've got the story hook. Uh you want to see who's in it? Yes. Okay, before we roll tables because we're definitely down to do that, but do, does anything specific come to mind that you're like, okay, I have to include someone like this in it or do you want to let the dice decide before you make those decisions? I think the dice at this point. I mean, I might like as we talk about it, I might create somebody or come up with some ideas, but right now like, this is where I struggle. All right. And don't let us steamroll you, right? Like, we're going to have, we have tons of ideas. So uh, feel free to just jump in there and be like, yo, shut up. I got it. I'm really okay. excited to see these NPCs with the added knowledge of whatever they are, however weird or fucked up they are, they're also a vampire. <laughs> 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 Lots of them are, yeah. All right. Uh, Josh, um, oh, wait, I'm doing the NPCs. Okay. Yes. Go ahead and grab a D6, Shelly. And Oh, no, I'm sorry. I take that back. It is a D8. Eight. Oh, you rolled an eight. Wonderful. No, I rolled a five. Sorry. I just repeated when you said eight. I think there's a lag. All right. So your first one is an attractive stranger raised by monsters. Oh. I didn't assign class or race or anything to these because I figured stat blocks are pretty easy to like fill in. Ascribing race to it is not exactly that creative, especially once you have the setting, you know, like you might decide like, okay, everyone in this region is human or, you know, something like that. So, but it is an attractive stranger raised by monsters. This automatically made me think of like a pretty but stupid person, you know, because I mean, you're raised by monsters. You probably don't have a lot of like, uh, like, like intelligence as far as like learned uh, behaviors in a society, you know, you're out there just like living in a cave with a remoraz or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Living in a cave with a remoraz is a pretty fucking wild backstory. <laughs> I was raised by the remoraz. Like, How? How? <laughs> For those that don't know what a remoraz is, look it up. It's gnarly. Oof, um, and this is mom. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so so keep that in mind because I think I think there's a Remoraz in this like final encounter because you just said it and I want it to be so. So what oh. do you think? Yeah, I mean they could be like part of the the guarding up to the the tower 
on the cliff. Like they could be one of the challenges to get through to the cult. Yeah. Maybe it's like, uh, you know, in Harry Potter, when they go through the trap door or they go through like the secret door and end up, uh, there's like the three headed dog that is, oh, which yeah. has like a name in folklore. I can't remember what they called it. Fluffy in the Cerberus. In the, yeah. Cerberus. There Cerberus. it is. Thank you. Cerberus. Yeah. Cerberus. So like Cerberus was like guarding like the, the door to the dungeon. Um, so you could totally pull like a move like that. Right. Like For it's sure. inside the castle or the fortress. Maybe it's, imp- you said it was impregnable, right? Like an impregnable fortress. Yeah. It's just, well, it because doesn't of have the to be family truly. of Rimuraz. Exactly. There are Rimuraz <laughs> around this fortress that is on the peak of a, like it's, it's something you'd have to be invited in almost or be very good at killing. It's interesting. Like, I like the idea of, vampires in this impregnable fortress were like really the only way you're getting through alive is if you're invited in because it's just them turning the script on what they have to deal with right having to be invited in <laughs> exactly like, if i have to be invited into your home then you have to be invited into mine rimmer ass <laughs> dude the word rimmer ass would make a really good expletive it would and it would also make a fantastic candy <laughs> so this could um <laughs> yeah. This could help your setting a little bit too, because Remoraz are Arctic predators. So that puts you in kind of like Arctic climes. Like if there is really a Remoraz like in this uh, module, then like maybe it is. It's like on a that peak is uh, in a very snowy, yeah, a rocky region. peak jutting out of a snowy mountain. Beautiful. Yeah, like the peak itself is like rocky. That rather than snowy because it's so steep and slick snow doesn't even really stick to it it. i like that too because usually like snowy terrain is like really quiet and it it leads to a lot of tension building yeah yeah i love it i just want to point out that these uh the bremeraz has a melee weapon attack of plus 11 Uh (laughs) with Uh a 10 uh foot reach 60 10 plus 7 piercing damage plus it is a uh it's an 11 but man You could always go to a young Remoraz too. I think is is an option if you really wanted to. Yeah, if you weren't, if your nickname wasn't Kill 'Em All Quay, then it's Kill 'Em like, All Quay. It's Kill 'Em All Quay. They're gonna go <laughs> against Quay, the Remoraz. Yeah. Quay. <laughs> and they have a heated body. A creature that touches the Remoraz or hits with an melee attack takes ten uh, or three d six fire damage. So, like, if they were to adopt like an NPC, so I was just reading a little bit about Remoraz. They're young ones, it says. Frost giant hunters scour the icy waste for Remoraz nests and eggs. And they prize the young Remoraz, which can be trained from hatching to obey command. So they're smart-ish for creatures. So like imagining like a young frost giant that was adopted by Remoraz left behind because their body produces heat. They were able to like keep the thing alive. I don't know. I'm just like, this fits. It's totally cool. Anyway. That's that's just a thought. Anyway, I'm getting us off track. <clears throat> I do want to say as we go through some of these NPCs, if you decide any of them are vampires, or if you want to start building out just the vampires as they without the NPC chart, I just made up a, a table of types of vampire. So oh, cool. Okay. Let me know if you want to dive into that at any point. I'll need at so. least three vampires. Okay. So we'll roll on the type of vampire three times. So each one has kind of a unique personality and look. Okay, let's roll a uh, let's roll another D eight and a D six, and then we'll we'll kind of fill out some of these NPCs. Um, I rolled a two on the D six and a seven on the D eight. Okay, all right. So you've got an an obsequious merchant, 
Time out. What's up? Was that from your table of big words? <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> what is this word? Uh, obsequious is a, a obedient or attentive to an excessive or servile degree. Oh, okay. So that actually sounds a lot like your, uh, I mean, that kind of like main snack run NPC. Uh, but you could also have someone else, maybe the the owner of the establishment that you're in, like in the start of the like. The session, right? That that trading outpost is the obsequious merchant. Is the maybe this person who runs this shop knows about the vampire and all their thrall that live up in the mountains and is like he provide the snack and get left alone, right? You know, yeah, yeah they're right, being yeah, yeah. blackmailed to like you know run this outpost so that it brings unwitting adventurers to this region all the time. Yeah, and then like drop some hints about like treasure that's up in the in the tower so that it's more tempting exactly. to go exactly dude there we go you're building it out okay and what was on that d8 a seven. Oh, that what was on the d6 i'm sorry a two a two okay so you also have Bless a you. level <laughs> a two. <laughs> I <hate you> so <laughs> much. i'm out i gotta all go. right so there's also <laughs> we could probably call it here that's <laughs> yeah done We're actually good on time i think um so uh at two you got a lovable rogue in the oh. mix Yes, classic. A lovable rogue. And I think that we can keep rolling, but I think that gives you a pretty good... The only other table I have is maybe to help you figure out who the BBEG is, but I think you already know like where they're headed. It seems like a, kind of a, uh, a Strahd-esque villain that maybe is controlling things, but we can, we can figure out what their personality is. So let's... Uh, if, you're, if you're feeling it the way that I'm probably... The way it's seeming is like those NPCs that we just got, those aren't the vampires. Those are your non-vampire NPCs you'll encounter, kind of your not-bad-guy NPCs you'll encounter throughout this to some degree. You want to get some vampires? Yeah, I do. All right. <laughs> so I'm going to have you roll a D6 three times. Or actually, roll a D6 and then tell me, before I tell you what it is, which vampire this is. Is this the big bad? Is this... Uh, the we'll first like, one you meet is this? Yeah, uh, vampire encounter number one. Va- first vampire you meet. Go ahead and roll that d6. Five. Dude, these tables, I'm loving them. You're like bringing your a game today. What was it? Five. Okay, <laughs> this is my favorite one that I wrote, oh, and I'm yes. so happy you got it as the first vampire you meet because our your <laughs> your oh, characters no. won't know this has been successfully pretending to be a vampire for a few years and has conned their way to middle management of the cult. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Holy so shit. So he might be like a secretive ally at a certain point. <laughs> oh, that's he's so like I would take him like... to the dungeons and then he gets you guys in the room and he's like, all right, here's the deal. <laughs> Oh my god, these leeches are so good. I just want more of them. I keep eating them, throwing them like over their shoulder. So this this is It would be a good time to have the characters run like an insight check to see if they can figure it out on their own. Exactly. Or it's yes. like he's just gonna get away with it and have to Show admit up. it later. He's like, uh, hello, my name is uh, Franklin. It's so nice to meet you. And they're like, What is he saying? I mean I found the psych of blood. Exactly. Help so you can play him. 
way over the top of a vampire and if they ever get the chance of finding out he's not he's just a yeah. guy and he's just like what man like look it was it was i'm just trying to do what i gotta do to live <laughs> <laughs> right oh shit oh I keep my coming. god ah yes aha i have you calling on again he's trying or, to flee <laughs> or you take it in the other direction and she shows up and uh or the adventure party shows up and it's just like all these sexy vampires like trying to like fuck and suck blood and then you've got one in a, in a three-piece suit with like a briefcase <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what's that guy's deal? And he's like, oh, hello. Sorry, I run this place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, nothing would get done without me. And he's just pretending to be a vampire. <laughs> All right. Fun. So that's the first vampire we meet. Let's get another one. Let's let's get a, uh, not the big bad, but, you know, uh, once we get a little deeper into the vampire cult. This is so good. The big bad's right-hand man. Big bad's right-hand man. I rolled a five, but we already got him, so I'm going to roll again. That's what you rolled last time, so go ahead and roll it again. Three. Yeah, so go ahead and roll again. Three? Okay. Three. This is the type of vampire that is, so less so his right-hand man and more his loyal guard dog. Uh, okay. A near mindless horror is what I have written for this one. The type of vampire where it's just screeching and murder rather than. Oh, shit. A near mindless horror? That is a really evocative description. I was thinking the uh, in Daybreakers when they yeah. haven't had blood, you know, exactly. Or it's like your uh, almost your I am legend vampire. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys are creepy. Running zombies are the worst. Yeah, it's it's a running zombie vampire type thing. Uh, this one probably wouldn't wear clothes, would be more just that dull gray blue leathery skin, the barely human face with the big teeth, you know, yeah, maybe their eyes are gone. Shit like that. Oh, just such an old vampire that there's n almost no humanity left. Why do we waste time with my tables? I think we just roll on these ones all day. Give That's me what more I've been vampires. Telling you since we started it. <laughs> all right, one more vampire. Let's get the big bad. Big, big bad. Biggie big. Uh, one. One. It works. It's not funny, but it works. Classic Draculean. Just a classic Dracula vampire. Okay. Okay. We could also re-roll it if you want to know what else you we have. You want to use a uh, point of luck? A point of luck. Yeah, I think I do. Just want one other option. Because the classic Dracula, of course, could be so fun. Um, but it's too, it's it's on the nose. Yeah, but it's it's pretty easy, you know? Six. Okay, this works really well for a big bad, actually. This can be played very chilling. Um, handsome, polite, kind, and very into killing. Yeah, Dude, I like that a lot. The psycho next door. Exactly. When you meet him, he's he's charming, he's kind, he's handsome, and he's like murdering a person while he's talking to you and welcoming you to his home, and he takes so much joy in it. I heart that a lot. All right. I'm kind of sad you never rolled uh, two or four, but you know, it's, it is what it is. We had... Uh, young adult romance and what we do in the shadows but we'll use those another time <laughs> both good options you know when if, we you, were if talking you turn this one the, shot into like a full pretending. campaign we can go back to the drug yeah. honestly it's a place full of vampires you can have all six of these <laughs> that's true that's true like if they no, go you, to i like the three the that cult. you did if yeah if they go to investigate the cult just know you've got some edward cullen shit in there and you got a little <gasps> bit of a you know his name yeah, of course I oh. know his name. <laughs> I know the whole Colin family, bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. I used to work at a Catholic bookstore, and all of the women working there had shirts that said Team Colin. And I was oh, like, no. so confused. And uh, then I found out about Twilight. 
Yep. I, I was deep in But they Harry have Potter an N, not an M, right? C-U-L-L-E-N, colon. Yeah, right? it's spelled different, you know, than the... Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. I thought you were saying, like, like your your Christian name, your given name. Oh, no, 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 no. They, like... <laughs> That's way different. They, they were yeah. all Team Cullen. Like, they the oh, big Edward Cullen Oh, and you Cullen were just fans. confused by it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I was like, what is Team Cullen? And then I learned about Twilight. <laughs> cool. No, that, well, wasn't, that wasn't related to me. Okay, sorry. I misunderstood. It looks like we got three good vampires. Woo-hoo. We've got three good NPCs. We've kind of got a course that this can go. Do we want to? Do we want to kind of wrap it up and send it yeah, off like, for you to then like start summary? Yeah, and then you can take that and stat stuff and flush it out. Well, I think what we need. Oh, we I still don't know need about a big final fight type. Situation. I think so. Yeah, I was actually going to suggest maybe we we look at what the climax of the story will be. Yeah, are um, they trying to disband the cults? Are they trying to save? Everybody, yeah, I think to... the the players. So this is important, right? So when you're writing this, it's really important that uh, you keep in mind. Like, and again, you can change this, but your original like uh, challenge was to write this with a, a theme of exploration. So when they're going into this, maybe they have no idea, right? Like when we said, like the guy that came on the snack run was like missing memories and was like bringing them in. Then we kind of said that the owner of the shop might be like sending like adventurers treasure. unwittingly. So you could retcon that a little bit and say, all right, there the the snack run thrall shows up and is like, oh, I'm here to get the uh the leeches. <laughs> and uh that's when they overhear and like, where are you going? And the shopkeep is like, oh, this young lad lives uh, in a castle up on the hill and there's amazing treasures that look below there. And I don't know, whatever the case may be, it seems like there's a few different things like taking place there. So simplifying that so you can get them into it. I think as far as like a final conflict, it the goal might just simply be escape. Like don't get eaten, you know, <laughs> it, rather than anything too intricate, it's escape or or kill them. And like escape by means Make of it out alive or die. escaping or killing them. <laughs> exactly. Let's spend our last few minutes, I think, because like I don't feel like we're at a good place to like strongly end this. So like let's spend our last few minutes really thinking about like a final fight or a final like scenario. Because I think Josh, you were saying that you had some ideas about what like terrain inside it's a this very, could look. So it's a it's not exactly the terrain, but it's some terrain effects. Um, and there's we can come up with how this happened, why this happened. A lot of it's going to be based in cause magic. But um, something that I like to try and do in a big final fight is add something additional that's not something you can just punch. So go ahead and roll a d4 for me. And we're going to figure out what terrain effects are happening during this final fight. And that'll kind of inform us of where we put the final fight. Mm-hmm. One. A one. Gravitational anomaly. You know, that's so funny. I was uh, just so thinking somewhere of fighting during this in like fight, an Escher castle. Yeah, gravity is going to start going in weird different directions. Maybe that can kind of inform where this fight goes. Maybe there's the tower, the mysterious tower within like in this fortress at the peak of this fortress. And within this tower, maybe you can start having the staircases that run upside down and normal and side to side and shit, you know? The uh the classic like paradoxical staircases and strange gravity where you can jump towards it and gravity will now shift. Now you're standing on the ceiling. Like exactly. Yeah. I have some really cool tables just specifically for like encounters. Can I 
Can I throw in some stuff? Of course. Yeah, I just wanted to give a cool effect that was more than just. I love it. The setting. And now I'm like, oh god, I really want you to like. Um, so, what did you think about what Josh said earlier? Are you? It's your decision. Are you going to have them like basically try to give them a stand and fight situation, or are you going to overwhelm them to the point where they're like, hey, we just need to get out of here alive? Which which direction do you think that you'll take the players? Honestly, I think it. Like I figure it needs options. Like it won't be if you stand and fight, you're going to die. That is my dream, but it's not always real realistic. All right. Um, but so, so, so I can give you options for both. Go ahead and go ahead. Outsmart or get away. All right. So if they're going to get away, roll a d6. Five. Five, you said? Five. Yes. Sorry. Oh. Um, all right. It is their only point of egress is Ariel. Ooh. So they would have to escape up. Oh, not the Little Mermaid. No. Right. They must <laughs> she has to get partner them out. with the Little Mermaid. <laughs> yes. It's an aerial uh, chase. So, you know. Do you guys uh, like prune your players' development when you guys build characters together to make sure they can succeed? So, like, would I at the beginning while creating the players with the characters be like, and one of you needs to have flying magic? There's a couple schools of thought on that. If you if this is like a one shot, you're gonna want to work with them. Like maybe even do a group section where you talk about like ways like you tell them enough about this adventure that they know how to build something that's gonna be like useful. Um, if it's something you're throwing at your players, like a party that you already have, like you know inserting it as like a side quest, then um, you just tailor it to like sort of fit their needs. I would okay. say as far as like if the only or way strengths. out is by air. You could establish early on that there's like that these vampires come and go not down the mountain and that's kind of how they stay mysterious, but rather by riding wyverns, you know? Yes. Oh, I love this. So like they get to the top of the tower and find like a whole nest of wyverns. That yeah, train, like a, and they just like have a wyvern fly. stable, you know, and they, they get them and they <laughs> fly so out good. and the vampires are it. chasing them on the wyverns and doing crazy dog vampire fights. shit. Yeah, you can get an aerial dog fight on wyverns. Okay, let's roll a d6, and I'm going to give you the vampire's secret weakness. Ooh. Oh, my God. This yes. is for the outsmarting. One. Oh, it's embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> Pride. <laughs> it's He's just uh, Pennywise, right? Like, you're a clown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, basically, <laughs> yeah. Pennywise the vampire. All right, so do with that what you will. Um, and then if they stand and fight, I'm going to give you a condition. And now, um, what was yours, Josh, for the terrain? It was um, a gravitational anomaly. Okay, so that's specific to terrain. I'm going to give you a condition to the fight itself. And take or leave this, but it could be fun. It's a D8. Um, okay, D8. Three. Ooh, there's an omnipresent observer in the mix. So that's kind of a condition that you have to face, which is similar to sort of like the thing that you're running for us, like a scrying eye. Um, roll that again, and then uh, you can take the better of the two, because these are all really good, so I want to give you a This one seems really passive and like... Yeah. Okay, two. Oh, good. Um, in order to succeed, they can't hurt the villain. Ooh. So maybe there's something tied to like if they... Maybe if they kill the lead vampire, all the others die. So maybe like there's like a Like all the thralls who aren't even vampires will die. Right. Yeah. They're just all tied to them. So maybe there's like a something something or something that prevents them from hurting the villain at all. And so that turns that stand and fight into an escape 
but I think I like the idea of still leaving it as an option, but now it's a moral dilemma. They can hurt the villain and kill him, but there's a reason not to now of like the, all these thralls, these innocent thralls who are just being like clamored and controlled and fed on their lives are tied to this evil vampire. If you kill the vampire, you kill them all. But then, you know, you get that arguments of like, well, if we leave them here, is that better than, you know, is mm-hmm. that, is that good? Moral conundrum. Is that worse? Yeah. A moral so this conundrum. really moral quandary. Yeah. That brings us back to sort of, in order for this to feel engaging, what you said is you want your players to be invested. There's got to be something that they want. And so you can shift that, like, that's one of the things you'll have to do, not beforehand, but during the session. Like, if there's a treasure below the keep that they want more than anything, like they're focused on that treasure, then in order to get that treasure, they can't hurt the villain. If their goal is to keep all of those thralls alive, like they're like, we're, we're you know, we want to get everyone out here alive and return to their lives and destroy this vampire. Can't uh, save them all or get them out. They can't kill the vampire until they get them out alive, that kind of thing. So it changes based on what their motivations yeah. are. So if if the motivation is like the treasure beneath the castle, like Matthew was saying, perhaps whenever you get to that chamber, you see the treasure and it is there's like a magical barrier that it rests on that is above the the magma within the earth you know and if the bad guy dies it it all just goes in you know treasure planet style so that could kind of be like well if we kill him we treasure planet all of the treasure if we escape we live you know (laughs) we can grab some treasure and try and get get out but we won't get it all um but you could also if you wanted to go a bit more prep with your um players you could work into a backstory perhaps one or more of them are looking for somebody important to them that's gone missing up here that they would find to be a thrall and then the thralls lives are connected to the big bad evil guy to the vampire that you can't kill yeah that works really well especially for a one shot where you want it to be like all contained and clean Exactly. And I think adding like a big treasure room and uh, all of that, that's kind of a lot of different places within this castle. You can simplify it as looking for a missing family member or important person, friend, whatever. Um, You could even have the whole party kind of looking for this person, like for different reasons. It's the one one person person they all know. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe someone is just a sellsword who was hired to go find this person. And the person that hired them is another party member who is their, you know, their sister and so on and so forth. Yeah. And it's a party that's come together to come find and rescue this person that's gone missing. Yeah. That's kind of exploration. Like you're looking for the person, not just looking for. Yeah. It's not like a mystery of find out what happened to them. It's just like, we know where they were. We got to go explore this mountain and find this missing person. And you kind of, you might not even know about the fortress at the top of the mountain. You just know they were exploring the mountain and went missing. And then whenever you get there, you find out about the tower from the thrall and the shopkeep. And that they're in who usher you that cult. way. Yep. A death cult. Exactly. <laughs> a death cult. Death cult snack, snack run. run. Death cult snack uh, run. All right. So um, where where I'm hearing we landed is that um, your party has stopped over in a trading post in in some sort of you know semi-arctic region uh, uh there is a rocky fortress up on a hillside that uh boasts many secrets and possibly 
a vast treasure of some kind and or the party is in this region region because they're searching for something or each of them have something in their past that has gone missing or or that is desirable to them so they're they're in they're on a quest of some kind to find these things and uh they figured that it might be up in this fortress which turns out to be inhabited by a host of vampires and their thrall all who have a severe snack deficiency so <laughs> they've got the munchies constantly and it's guarded by maybe by rimaraz uh there is a uh stable of wyverns in the keep and a an epic vampire like a, a head vampire battle waiting for them at the very end and they'll have to either outsmart this vampire or flee for their lives hopefully getting what they came for in the process but that's i mean roughly that's a whole that adventure sounds great it's a that whole is ass a whole ass adventure right there i'm really excited that about could be this. several sessions actually yeah more like a like a low level or mid-level module like a three to five yeah, totally. definitely. That's that would that'd be a great one of those, especially if you wanted to take more time to explore the different vampires of the keep and like the the hierarchy of the politics amongst them and things like that. Ooh. All personalities. Yeah, you got some I mean, vampire the, personalities in mind? The action adventure could be exploring the castle. Like of course getting to yes. it, but then you have to survive all these different chambers of a castle that maybe constantly changes. Yeah, and once you're in this mystical vampire castle, it's not only vampires you can fight. You can you can have uh, a pet ogre that you accidentally go into their chamber. You can have all kinds of weird stuff in there. You can have the sewers beneath it with just uh, just troglodytes and shit that live in there. Like you can do whatever you want depending on the level of villain you want to throw in. But and the fun that your players are having. But uh, before we head out, I really want to hear your best vampire voice. Like, give me one of you can pick any of the vampires that you uh, rolled up today, but uh, you got to give me got to give me an NPC voice and tell us who it is first. I was looking. Yeah, I was looking at my my notes. <laughs> so I'm thinking like snack run, snack run vampire. Snack run vampire. All right. What's their name? Name. Clip. <laughs> Ooh, it's good it's real good it's on the nose and i love it i'm trying to do like i'm trying to, to i wanted to do or... stoner vampire <laughs> like uh yes i love it well vampires are kind of like breathy they always like dude <laughs> <laughs> you're close yeah man i just i was looking for those leeches and i think i i started remembering something I love that this is like the vampire thrall. So like they're all fucked up on like vampire toxins and shit, you know, like it works on so that vampire well. juice, dude. Dude, yeah. they just want that, that V. Dude, they're they're vaping. <laughs> vaping that vamp juice. <laughs> they're ripping that vamp cotton. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> That's going to do it for today. Uh, thanks so much for listening to Dungeon Babies. Uh, Josh, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me uh, like mostly on Instagram at Josh is the worst, uh, but worst is with a U like a sausage. Awesome. You can find me at Mather de Leon and you can find all of us at Catacomb Party. Uh, Shelly, where can they find you? I actually just stopped using social media, so I can be found well, at your yeah, local library. Yeah, because surveillance. So Shelly's on social media, but uh, you can find her at a table uh, if you happen to know her in real life and you want to 
play this adventurer. Get a hold of Mathar. Tell Mathar to get a hold of Shelly. <laughs> <laughs> She's my vampire. I'm her thrall. <laughs> Before we head out, uh, Shelly, as you grab a D6, and you had a question. Um, before you tell me the question, the cube already knows the answer that you seek. So go ahead and roll on the cube of sage advice. Three. This life is nothing short of a redefining spark of conscious rebirth. And the future is full of light. What was the question? My question to the sage was... Is Tupac still alive? (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. Fitting. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, you have your answer. Uh, (laughs) I guess I've been Dungeon. I've also been Dungeon. (laughs) Am I the baby? Oh, you're the baby. (laughs) Remember, kids, it's all imagination. Is it? Telephone pilot.